morning, friends. Hey, as many of you are aware and you're concerned, and I've talked to some of you this morning, um, our hearts, our thoughts, and our prayers go out to some of our brothers and sisters just right down the road um, in Clarksville. At the end of the service today, Kevin is going to come and give you and me some instructions on what we can do to partner with those people um, that have lost and experienced lost last night. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. That's on page 613 in the Bible in front of you, page 613. We've been in a series that we started last week, and the idea behind this series is traveling light, traveling light. And, and that word light, it, it literally is going to show us the way, right? We're, we're learning on what do we look to when we travel, but it also has this idea of traveling light, right? Like if you go on a camping trip, you don't want to pack a 200-pound backpack. That's not going to be sustainable for you to do. So we want to travel light. Last week, Kevin came to us, and he talked to us about a very simple subject, and it's something that we all need to hear. I need to hear it, and it's this. It's not about the stuff. The stuff can make sure that me and you do not travel light like we're supposed to. And today is going to be super fun. Everybody say fun. Today, we are talking about this idea that keeps us from traveling light, and here's the idea. It is the burden of control. The burden of control. Hey, real quick, just so I know uh, what we're playing with here today. I got any control freaks in the room? Oh, yeah. Hey, if your whole family is looking at you, it's you. Hey, control is something that, that all of us want, but can I, can I tell you something? Control is an illusion. It is an illusion. And so this morning, what I want to do for you is I want to teach you a sentence. And this sentence is going to have three truths in it that you and I have got to get if we are going to lay down this burden of control. You know, I was thinking about burden this week as I was preparing. And when I think about burden, really my mind goes to one place. It goes to the beach. Okay, let me, let me just explain why it goes to the beach. Because that beach trip and getting to the beach, there's a lot that goes on in getting down to the beach. Hey, m most of the time, like what we draw our focus onto when a family goes down the beach, we, we draw our minds to the Hallmark scene, right? I mean, here comes the mom and the kids, and they're all dressed in a matching floral outfit. They've all got matching hats on, and they're just, they're running down to the beach, and mom's there, and we're getting pictures. Hey, can I tell you what I look at? When I see that going on, I, I'm not looking at them. I'm looking behind them, because I know I'm about to see a beast of burden coming. There is a daddy somewhere on an elevator who's waited on five elevators because there wasn't no room for him. There's a dad somewhere who has packed a cart, and he's waiting. I look in this scenario for the dad, because as soon as I see him, I'm going to give him that head nod of respect when he pulls that whole cart down all 17 flights of those stairs and didn't lose anything. And then he makes it onto the beach, and you know, he didn't have no shoes on, so the bottom of his feet are scorched when he gets there. And he's got it all. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't, don't be a sissy dad if you go to the beach. Don't rent one of those carts. Don't do it. 
don't, don't pull the cart. Just figure out how to get it all in one trip. That's how I do, right? You hurt yourself like that. Hey, there's some dads in the room right now. Your backs are getting tense, like tight, just thinking about it. He's got the umbrella. He's got the beach toys, the chairs, the cooler. I mean, he's got it all. When I think about burden, that's really what I think about. That's what comes to my mind. Hey, and if you're a dad in the room right now, I just want to remind you something. I know it's December, but summer's coming. So get ready. It's coming. Summer's coming. Hey, the, the truth is about burden is that there's one burden that all of us share, and we were never meant to share it. We were never meant to carry it. And that is the burden of control. See, we spend the majority of our lives trying to control things and trying to control people. And can I just tell you, just from personal experience, it's a little bit exhausting. <laughs> Anybody in the room, you're tired. You're tired from trying to control everything. Hey, if that's you, this morning is specially for you. I've already said this, but this morning I want to teach you three truths that I hope will help you lay down the burden of control. And these three truths are going to be in a sentence. So before we begin, before I tell you the first point, will you pray with me? Will you put your hands on somebody next to you and pray these words over them? Would you say, God speak and I will listen? Father God, we love you. God, would, would you come? God, would you speak to us in this moment about control? God, would you help us realize today that we were never meant to be in control? Would you help us look to you as the one who has been given all power and all authority and all control? God, we pray for our brothers and sisters right down the road who are experiencing tragedy, heartache, and loss right now, that you would come and that you would be with them. And God, that you might show us how to be your hands and how to be your feet so that you might be glorified. I pray that you do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, I want to give you the first point, then I read, want to read some scripture to you. Here's the first point about control. We can't control it all. We cannot control it all. There are things in life that are just going to happen. There are things with people that are just going to happen, and we cannot control it all. I want to read to you a passage in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1, y'all buckle up. Do y'all know how many verses there are in Luke chapter 1? There's 80. We're not going to read 80, okay? It's a really long chapter, but I want to read to you a portion of Scripture from the book of Luke that tells the story of three people, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and one who would become known as John the Baptist. So here we go, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Here's what it says. When Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Hey, if the Bible says you're old, you're old. If the Bible says that you are very old, you are very old. So we're introduced to three people 
in these verses. A guy named Herod, and this is Herod the Great. We'll talk about him in a second. A man named Zechariah and a woman named Elizabeth who are old. They come from priests. Zechariah is a priest, but they can have no children. But we're also told that they are faithfully obedient. In fact, the word basically tells us they were as close to perfect as any two human beings could be. These people were righteous. But our first point this morning is that we cannot control it all. I'd say that there are basically two things in your life and in my life that we cannot control. The first thing that we cannot control is that we cannot control what the culture does outside of us. We cannot control. Hey, I remember growing up as a kid, and I'd go up to my grandma, my grandpa's house. They live right next door to us. Have you ever seen that show, Everybody Loves Raymond? That was my life growing up. I mean, I just went upstairs, went around the corner to go see grandma and grandpa. But I remember my grandpa would get so heated at what was on the TV. And my grandpa was really, really close to death, so we had these earphones that he would listen to TV with, and you could hear them from across the room, even though they were on his ears. And he'd just be screaming at the TV. Hey, like he could control it, like he could do something about it. Hey, here we're told that there's a king named Herod. Everybody say Herod. This is the same Herod that issued the decree that all male infants should be murdered, should be killed when he finds out that Jesus is born. This is the same Herod that he was given the title Herod the Great, but if you would have asked anybody that had lived during that time, hey, tell me about Herod, here's what they would have said. And in fact, here's what they did say about Herod. They would say, it's safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's own son. Hey, Herod had one of his wives murdered, had her sons murdered, and had the majority of her family murdered because he was scared that they were going to come and try to take control. The rule of Herod was one of the darkest times in history for God's people. I don't know about you, but that kind of rings true with the world that we live in. A culture, when we take a look outside and when we pull the curtain back on it, I don't know about you, but I'm not very encouraged by what I see and what I hear from culture today. And here's the trap that we can fall into. We can fall into the trap to feel like that God has called us to control all that. Look at me. He has not. There are things outside of your control in culture. Hey, there's also something else that they couldn't control. The Bible says that they are barren. There are conditions maybe inside of us that we do not get to control. A condition of sickness, an inner conflict of mental health, a conflict of a health problem. There are things that we cannot control. Do you guys remember taking your very first anatomy and physiology, physiology class in college? you remember that? Hey, I do. I immediately changed my major in that class. Because I realized there's about 150 ways that I just learned on the first day that I could die and I have no control over it. My lungs could just decide, you know what, we'd like to fill up with blood clots today. You're dead. My brain could just decide, we'd like to turn off for the rest of time, and I'm dead. Hey, we cannot control the things that are going on on the outside, and there's a lot of things on the inside of us that we cannot control at all. 
We're told that Zechariah and Elizabeth had a big thing going on inside of them that they had no control over. The Bible says that they were barren. They have no ability at all to have children. And here's what you need to understand about that culture. In that culture, and even sometimes today, we might look at people that have no ability to have children at all, and we might think, boy, God does not love them. Or God has abandoned them. Or God does not care about them. And friend, we just know from the Scripture that is simply not true. The book of Luke tells us that they were as righteous as righteous could be. And yet they were barren. And they were old. There's things that we can't control. But there's all those things that we can control. I want to teach you a lesson that one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned um, has been from a previous basketball coach that I used to have, Coach Mack. And he, he taught us one day in the locker room. We're down by about 40 at halftime. We're playing this team that they sent their whole travel ball team to this school, and they put all their travel ball kids up to go live at this school. And it was a massacre. It was awful. And he said, hey, guys, we, we know that the game's going bad. We know we're probably not going to win the game. Here's all I want you to do for the rest of the game. If you get an open shot, I don't care where you are in the court. Just take it. Just take the open shot. He said, we can't control what we can't control, but there's two things that we can control no matter what, and that's our attitude, and that's our effort. And that has always stuck with me when I feel like that I'm in a corner of really wanting to control something or really wanting to control people. I hear that voice in my says that says, Michael, you can't control that, but you can control your attitude, and you can control your effort. The Bible says that even though Zechariah and Elizabeth were barren, that they were righteous before the Lord, that they walked blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes, and listen, that they basically lived a life that was 100% all in with their attitude and their effort to the Lord, even when looking at what they didn't have. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Real talk, how is your attitude? Michael, that's just supposed to be a question that you ask our students. No, it's not. Because here's what I've recognized about our students. Some of our students, and some of me sometimes, we got bad attitudes. And you know what's true about attitudes? They're contagious. You know what's, you know what's true about people who don't give very much effort? They've seen that modeled somewhere. So your attitude and your effort, hey, it matters. Because here's what I know about my kids, and here's what I know about your kids. The biggest lessons that they're going to learn about their own attitude and their own effort is going to be imitating you and imitating me. How's your attitude? How's your effort? Hey, when you walk into a room, are you leading people to better, or do you lead people to bitter? Like your presence, does it lead people to go, I've got to get better? Or is it just toxic where you walk into a room and everybody in the room decides, yeah, we should be bitter about that. Let's rally behind it. Your attitude and your effort. Michael, does it really matter? Hey, listen, friend, we're about to find out that it really matters because God notices and God keeps record and God keeps track. And he's about to come and speak to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Hey, point number one is this. We can't control it all. Here's point number two. But we can talk to the one who can. We cannot control it all, but we can talk to the one 
who can. Listen to what the scriptures say, Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 13a. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. And while the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Here it is. God has heard your prayer. And we might not be able to control it all, but here's what I know. We can talk to the one who can, and he is listening. He is listening to you, he is listening to me, and he is listening to his people. The Bible says that it just so happened to be Zechariah's week to work in the temple, and he just so happened to be burning incense. And here's what you need to know. It's super complicated, but here's what you need to know. There's about 20,000 priests that live and serve in the temple in this time, and Zechariah being chosen to burn incense is about a 1 in 20,000 shot. His name is literally drawn, and they say, oh, yeah, it's, it's Zechariah. Somebody call all dusty Zechariah to come on in because it's, it's his turn to burn the incense. He's got a 1 in 20,000 chance of this happening to him, and it happens to him. And then, as he's there, faithfully serving, as he has done for decades, something happens. He sees an angel. And the angel says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Let me just talk to you a little bit about angels this morning because I think there's some real confusion about what angels are and about what angels aren't. Number one, let me just say, angels are not uh, scantily clothed babies that hold musical instruments. That is not an angel. That You will not find that description of the angel anywhere in the scriptures. Hey, we do not turn into angels when we die. I've heard people say that a ton. Well, they gained their wings. Where? We do not turn into angels when we die. Hey, for some of you, maybe you think you've seen an angel, or maybe you've been around people and they've talked about, man, I saw an angel. Let me tell you one question to ask when somebody says, I, I, an angel told me or I saw an angel. Ask them this. Were you afraid and if they say, oh, no, I wasn't afraid, I promise you, they did not see an angel. They did not. Every time an angel appearing to humanity in the Scripture is mentioned, it basically says the same thing. They fell down and they were terrified. So angels are not naked babies with musical instruments. They are not what we turn into when we die. They are things that command fear by their very presence. And an angel comes to Zechariah, and he speaks to them, and he says this, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. I wish he would have told us what the prayer was. I've been thinking about this all week. What, what was he praying? What did he pray for? What did he pray about? I really think there's, there's two options. But what, what do we know that is missing in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life? What do we know that's missing? A child. Hey, he could be praying for a child. In his old age, he could be praying, God, would you bless me with a child? Maybe he knew the story of Eli 
And the woman, Hannah, who came and brought her son to the temple and gave Samuel to him. Maybe he knew that story. Hey, but he's also a priest in the New Testament. And maybe he's praying something that's not even on our radar because here's what we know from the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Friends, it's one page for us. It it turns one page. It's 400 years in calendar. Hey, maybe he's praying, God, would you send a prophet? Maybe he's praying, God, would you speak to us again? Maybe he's praying, God, would you bring something to your people? Here's what Zechariah doesn't know. Whatever prayer it is, God, would you give us a child? Or God, would you speak to us again? God heard the prayer, and he's going to answer the prayer. Hey, look at me and listen to me. Your prayers matter. They matter. And I'm not talking about God is great, God is good, thank you for this food. That matters too. But I'm talking about your prayers. Like the prayers that you've been praying for 10 years, 20 years. 30, 40, 50 years, look at me. They matter. Don't stop praying. The angel comes to Zechariah, who's dusty old, and says, your prayers have been heard. Hey, what we pray for consistently, it really matters. What we pray for in faith, it really matters. And let me just encourage you, what you pray for that seems and looks impossible, it really matters. So just a question. How is your prayer life? How is it? Like, do you have time that you set aside every day to say, I am going to pray? Hey, mamas and daddies, look at me. Are you praying with your kids? I I mean, like, every night, are you putting your hands on them? Are you calling them by name? And are you asking God to do something in them every day? Are you doing that? Hey, maybe you're not. Let Let me give you four things that we pray for our kids every single night and these should be four things that you're praying for every night and our kids pray for these four things every night the first thing that they pray for is Reuben says God would you be with my future wife the first thing Remy prays for every night God would you be with my future husband you ought to be praying for whoever it is that they're going to marry because here's what I found out and here's what I know it's going to be really good for them or it's going to be really horrible for them are you praying for their future spouse here's the other thing that we pray for every night God Help me to make the right choices. Help me to make the right choices. Here's the third thing. God, would you help me choose the right friends? Hey, you show me. You show me who a kid, you show me who a student hangs out with. I can show you what their life is going to look like five, ten years from now. Hey, you show me who an adult hangs out with. I can show you what they're going to look like. Are you praying for those things? And here's the last thing we pray for as a family every single night. God, would you help us be leaders? Would you help us be leaders? Hey, what we pray for, it really, really matters. 
Because here's the reality. We cannot control it all, but at any point in time, we can talk to the one who can. And here, here's just something that I've kind of noticed. I, I bet if we'd spend half the amount of time praying about whatever it is that we can't control, if we'd spend half that time that we spend complaining about whatever it is that we can't control, praying, I bet it'd start to change. Uh, why, why are we talking to people who can't change anything? Why, why are we spending so much time complaining when the reality is the Lord's probably just waiting on you and me to say, hey, why don't you talk to me about it? Why don't you ask me about it? We, we might not be able to control it all, but we can talk to the one who can. And here's the third thing, real simple, and this is the hardest part, and we can trust the one who can. We can trust the one who can control everything. Read with me Luke chapter 1, verses 13b through 17. Here's what he said to Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and here's the rest of the verse. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Listen, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah, and he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Everybody say, we're going to have a baby. I, I just want you to imagine this with me for a moment. Can, can you imagine Zachariah and Elizabeth, they get this news, you're going to have a baby. I mean, can you imagine next Tuesday morning at Bingo Club for Zachariah and Elizabeth? I mean, Zachariah pulls up a chair beside Tommy, and Tommy, you know, he says, Hey, Zachariah, tell me something good. Zachariah goes, Well, you know, we started our pension, got signed up on Medicare, and uh, we're going to have a baby, Tommy. Can you imagine how wild that would be to talk about? You're going to have a baby. And Tommy's probably thinking, Zachariah, you and Elizabeth, y'all are closer to dust than you are to dirt. And we're all made from the dirt, and you're closer to dust, brother, and you're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they get the news. We're going to have a baby. Isn't it interesting how we can trust the one who's in control? How long do you think Zachariah and Elizabeth, if it was a son, if it was a child that they've been praying for, how long do you think they've been praying for him? You think it's over 10 years? Over 20? Over 40? Probably over 50 years they've been praying. And God had not abandoned them. God had not forgotten about them. But instead, God didn't say no to their prayers. He said, listen, wait. Boy, that's something we're all good at. We, we got a handle on what it means to wait. Did, did you know we have removed just about every single area of our life that we have to wait for something? Like, we've just completely gotten rid of it. I mean, used to, you know, if you wanted to cook a meal, you had to go build a fire. 
get a pot. Way too long. Let's, let's build this thing called the stove. What a great invention. Hey, and somebody finally got sick of waiting for that oven to heat up to 350. You know, it takes about three, four minutes. They finally got sick of it, so they said, let's build an air fryer. We won't have to wait. Hey, we, we make a pot of coffee. Takes about two, three minutes. Somebody said, I do not have time for this. Let's build a machine that makes them one cup at a time. We'll call it the Keurig. Raise your hand if you got a Keurig. Yep, that's what I thought. We all do. Hey, we're horrible at waiting. Hey, y'all ever tried to talk to your kids, grandkids, or a student about what a commercial is? Oh, you seen that commercial? Hey, the only commercial I promise that they're seeing every year is the Super Bowl commercials. That's it. They don't even know what a commercial is because of this thing called Netflix. Because of all the streaming services, we're not going to wait anymore. Hey, and if you're like me, I know I'm so bad at waiting that if I know something's getting ready to come out on a streaming service that I'm going to watch, I am not going to watch it. I'm not even going to watch the first episode until I know that that entire season has been released. That's how bad I am at waiting. Hey, we got to go get our oil changed in our cars, right? We're not going to wait in line. We're going to Valvoline. Yeah, they're going to forget to put the plug back in there. Yeah, they're going to tell us $857 or the stuff that's wrong. But we're not going to wait because we're in a hurry. Hey, you're behind a red light. Turns green. And all of a sudden, right, like nobody within 50 feet of you even thinks that you're saved anymore. I mean, you're saying things. You don't know sign language, but you're trying. You know what I mean? Hey, we are horrible at waiting. We live in a world that says, I want it now, I want it my way, and I don't want to wait. And if there was anybody that was a poster child for that, it'd be my daughter, Remy K. Sharon. That's who she is, that's how she is. But here's the truth, it's all of us. I want it now, I want it my way, and I do not want to wait. And that's great, but there's a problem. God don't have a microwave that he gets into for you. God does not fit inside of a Keurig machine and you just get to tell it what to do. No, friend, God is more than happy with letting me and you learn what it means to wait. Y'all remember the story of the Israelites that are in Egypt? They leave Egypt, they go to the promised land. He says, come back to this mountain. I'm going to tell you, tell you how to live, and I'm going to deliver you to the promised land. Y'all know how many days it should have taken them to get to where God wanted to take them from Egypt? 14 days. You know how long it took them? 40 years. Because God's okay with saying, you're going to learn what it means to wait. Waiting. But here's the truth about when the Lord tells you and me to wait. It is worth it. It is worth it. And there is something there that he's trying to teach us. There is something there that he's trying to show us. Zachariah and Elizabeth wait probably 50 years and pray the same prayer. And then they're told, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son. 
Let's talk just a little bit about who John the Baptist would be. Jesus would be cousins with John the Baptist, and Jesus, the God-man, would say this, there has never been anyone born of woman that will be greater than John the Baptist. What a compliment. Hey, the angel Gabriel, when he delivers the news, says, this boy that will be born to you. There's a couple things that are special about him. Number one, he will have the Holy Spirit indwelling him from birth. He says he will be the one that turns Israel's hearts back to the Father. He will come in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And here's the greatest thing that he will do. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. I started thinking about this. And I want want to paint you a picture so this makes sense. Because for some of you, listen to me, God is telling you to wait and it doesn't make sense. But I want to paint this picture for you. If John the Baptist would have been born without the waiting, he would have missed meeting Jesus inside the womb. Do do you remember the story? Elizabeth is pregnant, and Mary, her cousin, is pregnant, and they meet in John chapter 1. And the Bible says that as soon as John walked in the room, when he's in his mother's belly, as soon as he recognized that Jesus Christ was in the room, that John leapt inside of his mother's stomach. If he would have been born without the waiting, he might have missed that. Hey, if John the Baptist would have been born without the waiting, he might have missed the opportunity as he's baptizing people to point to Jesus who's coming and say, Behold, look, the Lamb of God is coming who will take away the sins of the world. Hey, if John the Baptist would have been born without the waiting, he might not have been able to baptize Jesus Christ. He might not have been able to tell people, I'm going to baptize you with water, but there's one coming that I'm not worthy to untie the sandal, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Hey, if John the Baptist would have been born without the waiting, he might have missed hearing the voice of God who descended on that baptism and said to everyone around, Behold, look, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Michael, why is God making me wait? Because he is in control and because his timing is perfect. John the Baptist had to wait to come till it would be the perfect time for him so that he could be the voice crying in the wilderness that Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 talked about. And so he could fulfill the prophecy that was given of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. There will be one who cries in the wilderness and he will prepare the way for the Lord. Hey, right now, I don't care if you get anything else out of this morning, but you need to get this, you need to write this down, okay? Listen to me. Maybe the God who is in control is asking you to wait, not to keep something from you, but maybe he's asking you to wait because he's saving something for you. Maybe he's not asking you to wait so that you won't have whatever it is that you want control of and that you're waiting on. Maybe he's asking you to wait because he is saving something for you. And the the time's not yet, but it's coming. The burden of control is not something that we were ever meant to bear. It does not belong on your back, friend. It belongs on God's back. 
here's what we know about control. We cannot control it all, but we can talk to the one who can, and we can trust the one who can, even when his answer might be, I need you to wait. I need you to wait. Hey, if you're in the room today, you're, you're waiting on one of two things. If you're in the room today. The first thing that you might be in the room today for is God might be literally waiting on you. He, he is waiting on you to say, okay, God, I get it. I'm not supposed to be able to control things. He's literally waiting on you to lay it down, to, to literally let it go. Hey, he might be waiting on you to let them go. Let them go and let him. Hey, if you're in the room today and you're a believer, let me tell you something. We're in a time of waiting. We are waiting until Christ's return. We are waiting until he comes and he rescues his bride and we are forever united with him. We are waiting. Here's what I know from the scriptures. We gotta get better at waiting. We gotta get better at not second guessing God in the middle of the waiting, but we gotta get better in knowing I can trust God. You can trust him. You were never meant to bear the burden of control. I shared this with a friend, and I want to share it with you this morning, and then I'm done. I want you to hold your hands out in front of you. Hold your hands out in front of you. I want you to cup them, okay? Here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that everything in life that God is going to give you, he is going to put in your hands. And everything that he is going to give you comes in the form of sand, okay? So just imagine cupping two handfuls of sand and here's what we do with what God gives us he gives it to us and man he piles it on I mean like we got to be careful when we're walking with but here's what we do we come to a point where we forget that God gave it to us and we want to control it and we want to call it mine and as soon as you say that word mine you know what your hands do your hands close on what God gave you in that huge pile of blessing, that huge pile of sand that he just gave you, you know where that sand's at? It's fallen away. All because you and I decided I want to control it and it is not meant for you to control. And here's the other thing. When you're holding on and when you're deciding I want to control it, you're not even in a position where God could refill it. You gotta open them back up, brother and sister. So here's the word for you today. We cannot control it all, but we can talk to the one who can. We can trust the one who can. So listen to me. Open your hands. Some of y'all, man, you got your hands closed so tight on stuff that your hands don't even belong on. You got your hands closed so tight on your kids that they're suffocating. Let go and let God. Because you can trust him. And I pray with you. Father God, we come to you this morning. God, we just ask for help. God, would you help us? Father, we are a people who have bought into the illusion. We've bought into the lie that we can control it, God. And we just, we publicly come and we confess today and say, Father, there is very little that we can control in life. But you can control it all. And we can trust you as you control it. 
God, would you, would you help us to live open-handed with what you have given us? God, would you show us how to live? Would you teach us your ways? God, we praise you and thank you this morning that we can come and talk to you. We can speak to the one who is in control. God, I pray that you might remind us of that this week as we're in the middle of complaining, that we might take it to you instead. God, I pray that you would release somebody today from the burden of control through Jesus' name. We pray all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.